Welcome back to the J&J Wrestling Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Alex Jaworski, as always, joined by my friend and yours, wrestling connoisseur, Justin Carroll. Justin, how are you on this Wednesday evening? After that little introduction, I'm feeling pretty good. How about yourself, Alex? Doing all right. A little late start to the day, but uh, as soon as I make it for that 8 o'clock bell time, AEW and NXT, the Wednesday Night Wars, I mean, uh, doesn't, I can't say it. Well, I mean, it pretty much makes up your, yours and mine our whole week. Yeah, I would say so. This is the first real week of what we've been doing with this podcast. I feel like we've been doing a pretty good job with everything. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty confident. Yeah, we, we're, we've been rolling for sure. I mean, uh, coming off of our, our first Monday Night Raw review to the masses and uh widely successful uh wild card segment about our favorite hometown matches we got a lot of uh feedback on who's ever listened uh telling me how great it was and uh nice little nice little roll down memory lane yeah i think it was uh we were very successful in that sense so of course everyone gathers around the tnt network and usa network on wednesday nights to take place in the monday night Ratings war, of course, both NXT and AEW still wrestling amongst amongst the pandemic. Uh, AEW being taped. Uh, I don't know how much longer they have for shows that were taped, but uh, NXT is still being broadcasted live from the WWE Performance Center. Yes, and without further ado, should I get into the AEW review for Absolutely. April 22nd? All right. Yes. Full, so straight into this. Let me preface for everybody: we're switching off each show every week. Uh, Justin's known as kind of the NXT guy amongst ourselves. I'm more the AEW guy, but in the sense of uh, journalistic duties, of course, we're going to switch off every week. Uh, watching each show, flip flopping. Uh, this week, I was assigned NXT. Justin had AEW. Last week, I had AEW. He had NXT. So on. So, Justin, without further ado, like you said, why don't you get right into it? All right, Jaworski, I got to tell you one thing before we start this. I was able to watch both shows, but I mainly watched AEW for the sole purpose that I said I was going to review this. I hope you watched it. I mean, we did assign you AEW after all. You did. We, well, we did, but I did catch myself watching a little bit of NXT. But anywho, let's get into this AEW review. We start off with Cody Rhodes reflecting on his competition with guys like Kit Sapien, Lance Archer, his brother Dustin, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and he's really reflecting on this whole tournament and how this could really put him to the top. So after that little video package of Cody Rhodes, I was so happy that Chris Jericho was on commentary with Tony Schiavone. I was so excited um, with the little tiny bits that I've been watching AEW recently. I've always been praising Chris Jericho on commentary. I know you seem to enjoy it, right? Yeah, I feel like he, he's a lot better than Cody on commentary. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. hello. We had a little Bose speaker interruption. I forgot to turn it off. But uh, he's, he's, definitely, uh, he's definitely taking Cody's place, and uh, he's definitely made the most of it. He's brought out a lot of energy in Tony Schiavone, even to the extent of them mentioning edibles 
last yes. week. Uh, shout out 420, of course. But uh, yeah, Jericho's brought a lot to the uh, metaphorical table and an ounce table. Super entertaining, super energetic. I feel like with Chris Jericho, he is able to make Tony Schiavone better than he already is. I feel like there's a genuine connection between those two guys. And overall, I think it makes the commentary a lot better. So we get into the first match of AEW this week with Sammy Guevara against Darby Allen in the semifinals for the TNT Championship. Did I say that right? TNT Championship? That's what they're uh, wrestling for? Yes, the TNT. I think it might be the television championship, but nonetheless, TNT Championship. So Sammy Guevara comes out, you know, all arrogant and cocky. And then Darby Allen comes out, and I really love Darby Allen's look. It is so different from everybody else. You know, his stature is a little bit different. You know, he just looks different. Um, I'm pretty big on Darby Allen. But as Darby Allen comes out and he just stands there, Sammy, ugh, excuse me, Sammy Guevara does a pretty smart thing and dives right on top of Darby Allen. He throws him into the barricade, gets a ladder from under the ring, Sets it up in between the ring apron and the barricade. Throws Darby on top of the ladder. Climbs to the top rope and does a frog splash right onto Darby Allen. They both bounce off the ladder and they both seem to be pretty hurt. Then we come back from commercial break. They're still waiting for uh, to see if Darby Allen can still participate in this match. Sammy throws him back in. And then nothing too exciting here. Sammy Guevara got caught in a tree of woe while Darby was still on the top rope. He manages to take off Sammy Guevara's shoe. And I'm pretty sure if you're in the corner, you got to count to five. Ref Aubrey did not count to five at all. That was a little thing that I got, like, pretty picky with. But, anywho, he takes off his shoe and then does an ankle lock on Sammy Guevara with no shoe. So, Sammy Guevara is wrestling with no shoe. Well, with one shoe on. And then, you know, for me, this match felt pretty choreographed. It was awkward in some spots of the match. Um, and then there was a time where Darby Allen went to do a suicide dive and completely missed Sammy Guevara. And you hear Chris Jericho go, you know what suicida means in Spanish, Tony? I don't. And then he didn't even let Tony talk. I just thought it was funny that he said, I don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they go, they both get thrown back into the ring. Sammy's about to hit. I don't know exactly what the name of the move is, but it's Dominic Dijakovic's finisher move. Throws him over. Darby bounces off the ropes, catches him into the Last Supper and wins and moves on in the bracket for the TNT Championship. This was an all right match, but it, it was, a, I was just iffy about this match. Seemed there was a lot of, Build to it, you know, Sammy Guard coming out last week said that uh, he was going to spoil the match and say that he would win and uh, Darby would not. But uh, I will have to take a look. I can't focus on two shows at once. So I was strictly NXT this week. And uh, I will have to go. Of course, I'll have to watch my favorite television show of the week in AEW at some point, either tomorrow or tonight, maybe after we stop recording. But uh, for the show I did watch, however, this week was NXT. Of course, uh, I want to say uh, before all the opening segments and stuff like that, they, haven't, they had an awesome opening package. I'm not sure if you were able to catch it, but uh, 
Awesome opening package. I love the uh, Slipknot theme music for the show. I think it feel, it fits the show uh, just right. And uh, I think Slipknot's are really cool, kind of outlandish. Not outlandish, but a really cool, like, oh, Slipknot, really? Oh, that, and that's kind of cool, and people kind of get with that. But uh, they had an awesome opening package. Uh, they come into NXT. Uh, Finn Balor was attacked. Uh, seemingly, we don't know what happened. Uh, William Regal deems him unable to compete. So the main event now is up in the air at that time with the Velveteen Dream. Supposed to wrestle Finn Balor that night. Uh, tonight, rather. It did not happen. Uh, Velveteen Dream is the first one to come out on the show today. He's mocking Finn Balor with his move on the top rope. Kind of the opening his arms kind of deal when the lights go up. And... Uh, he mocks Balor, calls him Baylor. Uh, I don't know what the real reasoning uh, behind that was, but that was that. Uh, eventually, uh, Adam Cole comes out and distracts him, talking for a little while there. And uh, Bobby and Roddy come out and attack Velveteen from behind. Uh, Adam Cole joins in. And uh, Keith Lee comes out uh, with his music, which is weird in itself, but uh, they break it up. Keith Lee, that is, breaks all of them up. We end with Keith Lee and Velveteen Dream in the ring as the Undisputed Era retreats. Noticeably missing KOR Combat Kyle O'Reilly as he is unable <laughs> to compete this week. Our guy, Kyle O'Reilly, of course. Uh, we go into the layout for the show. They have the Cruiserweight title matches, or Cruiserweight qualifying matches, rather. Uh, we had Drake Maverick Hijo de Fantasma against, oh, but who did he wrestle? Oh, uh, uh, Jack Gallagher. Jack Gallagher. And then we had, oh boy, Tony Nese and Kushida. Uh, we, I had to go ruffle through my notes there. I wasn't exactly sure where it was. Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae will be making an appearance, uh, which was not, they deemed it live. It was not live, as it turns out later in the show. But we start out with the first match of the night, a women's tag team match. In Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox versus uh, um, Dakota Kai and uh, I want to say I don't I didn't catch her first name I don't I'm blanking on Raquel. her first name Raquel Gonzalez of course uh, they have a commercial break match there uh, Tegan Knox gets caught by Gonzalez uh, from the top rope lays her out it's a and I wrote that uh, Gonzalez is a beast she's just she is. She doesn't have that different look from uh, your average girl. So, rather mm -hmm. something along the lines of Nia Jax being a little bigger and a little different looking. Uh, she's a beast of a woman, and uh, she one arm power bombs. Uh, Blackheart splats her on the mat. One, two, three. Kai and Gonzalez get the victory. And uh, this has been quite a while now with the rivalry between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox with the helm of Gonzalez at the side. Yeah, this all started back at War Games in November. Man, so how many months is that? November, December, January, February, March, April. Man, that is six months of Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai having some sort of beef. And then it just escalated once Raquel got involved. And now Shotzi's involved. So this could probably continue for a very, very long time. Yeah, I will say so. I mean, there's no signs of it ending now that they were able to, the, the bad girls were able to get the victory. So, switch back over to AEW. What was after the Kip Sabian and Darby Allen match? 
So right after this match went to commercial break, then we came back and we had Mart, uh, Matt Hardy <laughs> saying that he will delete Jericho and Sammy Guevara at the Hardy compound. And so you know how Matt Hardy just over-elaborates on some stuff. You know, he's got the crazy poofy hair and the, and the weird jacket saying how he will delete everyone. And then he actually ends up becoming normal and praises the elite, you know, guys like Cody, Matt, Nick Jackson. And then he says he'll take out Sammy Guevara in order to get to Chris Jericho. I think at some point there has to be a match between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. That would be okay. I could have seen that in WWE. I bet it happened at some point. But, you know, Matt Hardy's just playing mind games with Chris Jericho. After that, we get this little weird... I didn't think it was too weird, but I sort of thought it was cool. Taz got to review Kenny Omega's big moves, like the V-Trigger and that stuff. And that was okay. Nothing too cool there. But then Jericho mentions Deep South Wrestling during Kenny Omega's match. And this was obviously a clear shot at WWE. They said Jericho stated that WWE didn't use him right. And now he's one of the top performers in the world right now. This was obviously a clear shot at WWE. You know, grow up Chris Jericho. You're trying to do your own thing in AEW. That's okay. But. Hey, they, they are competition at the end of the day. So. They are. But WWE is a monster. You can get past NXT, but you are not beating Raw and SmackDown on the ratings. There is no way. But Kenny Omega starts to wrestle this guy. I didn't get the name, but his last name was Angels. I think he wrestled previously. Oh, yes, he did wrestle previously on AEW because he had the streak of 0-1. and one. And his gear was a little whack, not going to lie. It was this weird green mixed with like gold and this like weird red and black it was just dumb he had the stupid like it almost looked like a long towel on the side of him it wasn't a towel but it just looked stupid to me um for someone who's a champion that being Kenny Omega and having the streak of being 10 and 2 he is taking a while to beat a guy who's only 0 to 1 this match went on a little too long for my liking Kenny Omega wins against Angels with the V-Trigger. Nothing too special for this match. Kenny Omega continues to show that he's a pretty decent wrestler, but nothing too spectacular here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the, you know, issues I've found recently with the whole pandemic era of wrestling is there's a ton of squash matches. Like, can we put on some good matches here? Yeah, you know, AEW is always trying to say how they're putting on the good matches for, like, the hardcore fans and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. But in reality, you know, there's just some too long matches, too choreographed-type matches, and that's why I'm not as big on AEW as I am NXT. Yeah, which is very fair. I mean, uh, you know, even tonight for NXT, uh, every match seemed to go just one after another. There were no, you know, too long, too short, nothing stupid, really, you know. As we move on, we had Jake Atlas, who I thought Baby Oil was banned from the WWE now, but he was lathered up with something. I mean, he was just glowing. <laughs> and I said, I don't know how to feel about this guy. They had the, like the run-of-the-mill textbook package of him, how he's ready to show the world what he's all about, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Drake Maverick comes out. I said, LOL, poor guy. I mean, 
there's nothing worse than having to wrestle three more matches after you've been fired by your own company, which is extremely weird to say the least. I mean, why let this guy go and all of a sudden he's wrestling on your show? I mean, uh, it makes you wonder if there's something more going to this uh, in the back in the uh, the biz part of the wrestling matter. Of course, maybe he isn't really released. I'm not really sure. We're not going to get into it, really. But uh, Atlas worked the back of Drake Maverick throughout the match. Uh, Atlas was very dominant throughout the match. Drake Maverick got some offense towards the end, working on his head, uh, Atlas's head. Uh, and I said that Atlas wins with his fantastic finishing move of the cartwheel DDT, which is uh, he jumps off the top or leaps off the top and, uh, propels himself into a cartwheel by holding the top rope and DDTs his opponent uh, who was standing on the mat. And I thought this was awesome. Uh, as I move on here after the match, uh, Atlas gets the win. He's 1-0 in his bracket. Uh, they air a Road to WrestleMania commercial and how saying the Road to WrestleMania goes through Monday Night Raw. And uh, I think WrestleMania has been at least, what, two weeks in the past now. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. And I think they might have forgot to update it or... Sent, sent the wrong file over for the uh, USA Network for the commercial there, which is a little weird. I don't know if anybody else at home noticed this, of course. And uh, after that, they come back from commercial. They run a uh, Damian Priest versus Keith Lee package. Keith tells his story of how his wrestling background started 30 years ago. I'm not really sure how old he is. I think he's pretty older. Keith uh, Lee? Yeah. He's 35. Yeah, he, he's kind of up there. Uh, but definitely in the prime of his career, but saying how it started over 30 years ago. And Priest is saying how, uh, who cares how long ago it started? You've been a paper champ. Ultimately, he said that Lee only picks people he knows he can beat. And uh, he knows he cannot beat Damien Priest. So, moving on, we're not really close to the 9 o'clock hour quite yet. A lot happened uh, in the 8 o'clock hour for NXT. What did we get over in AEW now that we got through... Decent amount of NXT. So we're going to... It's not too much happened at the end of the 9 o'clock hour. They did this little video package just for Scorpio Sky. And so he starts to talk about how he's always dreamt about being a professional wrestler. And so he discusses how he, he wrestled back then, but then he started to get lower back problems. And he possibly had to end his career if, you know, the back spasms kept on happening and then one day it drastically just went away and so he decided to give professional wrestling one more shot and then he said in december of 2017 he decided to go with scu and then that was the end of the little vignette and it said to be continued so throughout you know the coming weeks i'm assuming they're gonna do this scorpio sky vignette it was okay it was set up pretty cool but um i'm not too big on Scorpio Sky. I don't think he has a lot of personality. But with these video packages, they could possibly give Scorpio Sky a little bit of personality. But Cody decides to listen to a voicemail that Dustin left him saying that he will retire if he loses to Kip Sabian. He has been wrestling for 33 years. Why in the world does he think he is going to lose to someone who ultimately has a losing streak in AEW right now. I I think it, it was more of him trying to prove that he's old and he can't run with the big dogs, but he wanted to prove himself wrong. Some sort of that, you know, effect. 
but obviously, uh, I think that uh, Dustin Rhodes had a lot more left in the tank, but Kip Sabian did get a victory last week, although tainted somewhat due to the outside interference, but Kip Sabian has a W in the column coming into this week. And then we end off the first hour with them promoting being the elite, and they decided to brag about how it was the 200th, uh, 200th episode. And so Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson decided to wrestle at their own house. And I said to myself, why is this tag team wrestling each other? There was, I don't really keep up with being the elite, really. I only watch it to see if MJF's on it. But what, what was the purpose for this match? This does nothing for the both of them. It just makes them look bad. I'm not really sure about that either. And to be honest, I think it's better that they left this one on YouTube. Uh, I think yes. that's the perfect place for it. I mean, YouTube is just for creative people. It's not AEW Dynamite, the wrestling program. You know what I'm saying? So uh, to their credit, they did leave it off TV, which thank God they did. I mean, I can't imagine this was great. I think it was one of those no. cinematic matches. So, you know, mm -hmm. perfect place for YouTube. Got to get some content out during this pandemic, and especially for the 200th episode. Pretty big milestone, but it, it doesn't really make sense to me either. But, I mean, YouTube is YouTube is, is just a place for it. Yeah, and if anyone was curious, spoiler alert, Mac Jackson ends up winning the match with dropping an elbow onto Nick off this, what seemed like a balcony, but really, the balcony was only like five feet tall, but that's how we ended off the first hour. Uh, a semi-decent first hour, you know, nothing too special. But um, how did NXT end the first hour? So we have a little bit to get through here, at least my notes. I mean, I write pretty big, so maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, we go into uh, Tony Nese and Kushida. Who Tony Nese still think he's champ. Uh, he lost in a triple threat match at Stomping Grounds, according to Byron. So, oh, by the Stomping way, Byron. Grounds. Byron was on commentary. Um, I don't know why he's back. <laughs> he's awful. Is, the whole thing about NXT is supposed to be it's different from Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. But we get the same commentary team minus Jerry Lawler as we did on Monday. So this was kind of uh, why are we here kind of deal for Byron. But any whom, uh, Tony Nese still think he's champ. Uh, he runs a pro, uh, package before the match and they bleeped out ass. I mean... <laughs> I guess I, I understand it's a PG show, but are we really bleeping out ass at this point? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's one of the words you are actually able to say on TV without getting a fine. So they could say ass if they really wanted to. You know, you just can't say the really, really bad words. The but, seven words you can't say on television. Yeah, I think that's a little bit more than seven, but I definitely know there's a distinct seven, and you could totally say ass on TV if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cheesy. To Everybody knows. They bleep it out. Everyone knows what he said. I mean, it's not like a strain of expletives. It's ass. It's not like F-bomb or something like that. Something really derogatory. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, that's just something I picked up. I was kind of, thought it was kind of cheesy. And uh, this was a highly competitive match. It was a great match considering, you know, the Cruiserweight history, the 205 Live history. Uh, not putting on the best matches, but here, this is a great match. And I said, Kushida is legit. 
I mean, Tony Nese is good too, but, I, I, you know, Kushida coming over from New Japan, I've watched a few of his matches in New Japan. He's been on a fantastic show. And obviously I was hoping that nothing would really change here, and uh, I was proved right. Nothing really changed, and they let Kushida roll, and yeah, he is legit. You know, and, and uh, to end off the match, uh, Kushida had the Sakuraba arm lock locked in on Tony Nese from the top rope. They did a kind of flip, span, fly onto the mat. Uh, Kushida held the lock on Tony Nese, and ultimately, Tony Nese tapped out. And I said, uh, what a match, and Kushida should win this whole thing. And I, I don't know if you feel that way, too. And no discredit to Tony Nese. He was fantastic in this match as well. But coming over from New Japan, usually they kind of slowed their tempo down, and Kushida was at his best in this match tonight against Tony Nese. Ever since I've seen him in New Japan, I have been super, super high on Kushida. He has a special place in my heart because his favorite movie is Back to the Future, and I'm a huge 80s movies guy. But anywho, yeah, Kushida is just a phenomenal talent. I am so glad he made it to WWE. I hope to see him in, you know, sort of the North American title picture one day, but I think he's pretty good where he's at right now in the Cruiserweight um, tournament. Sort of like the G1 Climax, so it's sort of like paying homage to Kushida in a way. But, you know, I do hope Kushida wins this whole thing. I can't think of anyone else from the other bracket that I would want to win. Not that I can think of anyone in that bracket right now. But I totally think, I agree with you that Kushida should win this whole tournament. And he should rock that Cruiserweight Championship for many, many months to come. Absolutely. So I think we're pretty, pretty, really behind him. I mean, I don't see anybody else really getting a legit shot at it. I mean, he's probably like they said on the on the program that he's the odds-on favorite to win it. I think they definitely have to make the move and put the strap, excuse me, around <laughs> Kushida's waist. But guys like Drake Maverick, obviously, he's not going to win it because he's no longer with the company, of course. Yeah. I mean, Iho Dave Fantasma, he's, he's a great talent, as we'll get into later. Uh, Tony Nese had his time. Uh, Gentleman Jack, I don't think he's really serious enough to maintain a title. Uh, Isaiah Scott, I mean, I think he could come from behind. I, I wouldn't sleep on oh, him. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we'll have to see, wait and see approach. Uh, but it was a fantastic match. Uh, had to be the match of the night, I'd say. But uh, we move into a Matt Riddle backstage interview, and uh, anytime Matt Riddle is speaking, it's obviously a time to sit back and uh, eat some popcorn, that's for sure, and uh, saying how he missed Pete, Stallion Pete, that is, uh, over in the <laughs> UK. And uh, they had Tim Thatcher talk for a little while, and I could have sworn that he was British, but he's not British. He is uh, American. Yeah, he's a good old American boy. He did wrestle in Europe for a very long time, but that man never picked up a uh, British accent or any accent. But uh, that's pretty cool. I'm going to have to actually check out that uh, Kushida match with Tony Nese. Yeah, so, yeah, to my surprise, Thatcher is American. And uh, <laughs> Riddle, Matt Riddle went on to say that Thatcher's eyes reminds him of Stallion Pete. And... Uh, <laughs> That was uh, Riddle saying that Thatcher's blue eyes reminds him of Stallion Pete. Uh, Thatcher turns to Riddle and said his eyes are brown. Uh, so Riddle says, I know, bro, uh, even though he just said his eyes were blue. But anyway, uh, they, he, Riddle says that next week uh, he's going to show the world how beautiful 
Tim Thatcher really is. And uh, next week, I guess Tim Thatcher will be in action, bro. Terrific. I can't so wait to be, see Timothy Thatcher. That'll be definitely something to watch, bro. Uh, and they had a very, really eerie vignette of Karrion Cross, uh, his wife, of course, who I can never seem to get the real name of. Uh, <laughs> Neither can I. I always forget her name, and I always feel so bad. We always have to look it up. I believe it was Scarlett Bordeaux in Impact. I'm not Let sure if they really changed it. I'm going to look it up, too. I think it's Tara Valkyrie. No, she's the champion. Scarlett Boudreaux, Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think Tara Valkyrie is a, a knockout champion in Impact. So, excuse me as I got my knock former knockout and current knockout champion mixed up. Um, that is the same show as Tessa Blanchard as the world champion, mind you. So, anyway, uh, Scarlett Bordeaux uh, is. Karrion Cross's girlfriend or wife, but uh, she was talking in this vignette uh, stating TikTok time is almost uh, around us or amongst us. So uh, the whole TikTok thing, the whole time deal with Karrion Cross is really trying to play that off for the crowd. We move into the Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae segment. Uh, they were from formerly uh, billed to appear live. I guess, yes, the, the television program is live, but this segment was pre-recorded. Uh, they are at the dinner table. Uh, I guess Scarlett, no, Candace, geez, too many women going around right now. <laughs> Candace made dinner for them at the dinner table. There was a candle burning, like an old-fashioned, like, long stick, candlestick burning in the background. They cut to Johnny beginning to talk. They had the cup that protected Johnny from Candice LeRae's nut shot and the uh, Gargano. Oh man. I'm Tommaso Ciampa. Man, I'm blanking, man. I don't know why. <laughs> Read the notes. <laughs> they had the cup uh, center stage on the table from the Gargano Ciampa match when LeRae cool. kicked the both. Yeah, it was weird. It was in like a, like a case kind of deal. Like one of those like trophy cases, but in a smaller <laughs> form. So I thought that was kind of funny. And obviously a nod to them being the bad guys now. Uh, Johnny says, he's talking about all of his accomplishments and how they had the cup, obviously, on the table. Uh, and he's tired of NXT being a fairy tale land. And he's tired of saying yes and being a yes-man, doing all the public appearances, doing birthday shout-outs, and so on. Candace's hair is now purple. She's wearing black lipstick, obviously, to portray the bad girl persona. Uh, then she later gets in on saying all of her accomplishments and saying how she's no longer going to be a friend of any of the girls on the show. Uh, they had this weird black and white uh, effect in, you know, seeing double kind of deal. Anytime they'd get pretty hostile and uh, then it would go back to normal once they talk about how whatever they're going to eat or whatever. And uh, Candice LeRae said she would let everyone eat first before she would eat in reference to the girls division. Uh, Johnny uh, stopped her and said he was going to let her eat first uh, at the dinner table, even though they're both at the table and both have food in front of them, which I thought was kind of weird, considering they were both eating dinner. Uh, Anyone who goes out to eat, why would you let anyone eat first as soon as you get your meal, of course? Uh, Unless you're waiting for someone else to get their meal, you would wait to eat. But if you both have a meal, why would you wait? I mean, I assume that they'd be pretty hungry and... 
Johnny let her eat first, which I thought was kind of weird. And then they said they're going to rebuild their NXT, and they're going to both rule NXT as the first husband and wife to win the NXT championship and NXT women's championship. Uh, after that whole deal, they run a Io Shirai vignette for her match with Charlotte leading up to the 908 hour before we get in back to uh, NXT and AEW. They ran a commercial how I guess there's a psych marathon coming on USA Network. No! And what a waste of time that would be. I mean, I, I pray for you. <laughs> Whoever has to watch psych, I mean, that feels terrible. I'd rather drink bleach. I oh, feel my so God. bad that there's a nonstop marathon of the first two seasons. I think there was only two. That show is hot garbage. We have had to watch that show in forensics. <laughs> and that show is just so bad. Do you remember? I, I don't know if you would remember this or not. But would you remember when, like, WWE superstars would go on that show? And then they'd be like, watch Psych and watch the big show. Be on the show. Or something dumb like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, WWE superstar. The Miz is on Psych. <laughs> At 11.30, like, dude, I'm not watching Psych at 11.30. I'm, like, 12. I need to go to bed. <laughs> oh, my God. That show is so bad. To oh, anyone terrible. who is able to watch that show and not complain through it, you get a Medal of Honor. I swear. So, anyway, they had the they had the two goofballs, whoever the main characters of the show. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> I'm, sen- I'm getting a psych. I'm getting a. What is it? What do they do? I'm, sen- uh, I'm, I'm sensing. I'm sensing the ratings are going down for this because we both suck. Uh... What, what? No, seriously. What is the stupid gimmick they do? It's like I'm sensing the psychic pulse or something. What is yeah, it? One of the dudes is legitimately psychic, and he somehow miraculously finds out who did the crime by using his psychics or whatever it is. Man, it's so dumb. That show is terrible. Please don't watch it. Don't watch the marathon. We're saving you guys right now. So, luckily, I mean... (laughs) Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Awful, 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 awful. So, nonetheless, uh, I think I might have missed out on a match. Maybe not. Um, yes, I did. No, I didn't. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. You go up. You're up. I'll explain later. We are now getting into the second hour of AEW, and we start off with Jimmy Havoc and Orange Cassidy, and oh my god, was this match stupid. I don't like Jimmy Havoc at all. Orange Cassidy, I can't get behind. For these guys to have a match, that doesn't mean anything to me. Other than Orange Cassidy having his first legitimate match on AEW Dynamite, there was nothing else behind this match. Jimmy Havoc attacks Orange Cassidy a lot similar to Sammy and Darby's match. Instead, Jimmy just knocks him over. Oh, no, they get in the ring. Jimmy knocks him over. And then... This was so stupid to me. This is another little thing that I picked up. I noticed so many little things that I just hate. But Jimmy Havoc uppercuts Orange Cassidy in the corner. And then somehow Jimmy Havoc hit Orange Cassidy so hard that he manages from being on the floor to jump onto the top rope. Which made no sense to me for Jimmy Havoc to just pick him up and do... um, I forget what it's called, but it's like the move where like... 
You got him in the John Cena position for the attitude adjustment, but you just roll with the guy. I forget the name of that move, but I'm pretty sure that's what he hit. A um, driver? Orange. Yeah, so, some sort of driver. But I thought it was done that Orange Cassidy just jumped onto the rope like that. And then Jimmy Havoc has Orange Cassidy in an arm bar. And then instead of Orange Cassidy rolling into the arm bar to prevent more stretching of his arm, he stretches out to get the bottom rope. Granted, he didn't. He wasn't in like the middle of the ring, and kept on, you know, trying to reach for the rope as like he kept on stretching his arm. It was pretty close to him. But anyone knows in any MMA fight, if you are in a full armbar, you roll into it instead of stretching it out more because you're only going to tear something. That was another dumb thing that I picked up on. So then. As Orange Cassidy seems like he's about to win the match, Penelope Ford actually gets onto the apron. Dustin and Trent walk around to where Penelope is, and Chuck just lightly taps her on the leg and says, hey, get down, what are you doing? And then Penelope's about to kick, uh, what's his face, Chuck Taylor, and then he swings her leg out, and then she does a split on the apron. Then Kip Sabian comes out of nowhere, runs into the ring, runs, runs, runs to where Penelope is, jumps over her, and then lands on both Chuck and Trent. And then Penelope Ford, for whatever reason, jumps into the ring and runs out that way. Jimmy Havoc gets distracted and looks at her, which gives Orange Cassidy the perfect time to roll up Jimmy Havoc for the win. And then shortly after that, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc attacked Orange Cassidy, and Chuck Taylor and Trent had to help him. But doing that, Obviously, already diminishes the win of Orange Cassidy. And to me, this match was just purely stupid. Yeah, you've, I know you haven't been the biggest Orange Cassidy fan. I know a lot of the wrestling world has not been the biggest fan of Orange Cassidy. But, I mean, he's a moneymaker at the end of the day. I mean, he, he's... I know we don't like to use wrestling terms. I'm going to use one here. I hope that's okay. He's permission. He's over, as we call it, with the <laughs> he's over with the fans. So AEW has to parade him out to make money, make T-shirts, to make the fans go crazy for this guy who's ultimately doesn't do anything, which is weird in itself. Uh, I found myself cheering for Orange Cassidy at one point, but. I can obviously see both sides of the coin, so I hate to get into insider baseball terms, but it's it's a business, and it's about making money, obviously. You and I both know. But, yes. I mean, he's he's a joke. He is. We all get it. But, I mean, you, you got to switch it up. You get it as to the fact that it's business. Business is business. Yes, but that doesn't mean he has to be doing stupid things that make him and his opponent both look bad. Am I wrong? I mean, he wrestled Jimmy Havoc. This is a guy who staples people's heads with a yeah, staple. Yeah, I was weapon. surprised that he didn't use any sort of weapon. I was shocked. I meant to write that down, but I didn't. Instead, I wrote OJ instead of OC for Orange Cassidy. <laughs> so I was basically writing OJ Simpson, which is pretty bad. But um, that was a little thing I had to get out there. But I was not a fan of this match at all. So we'll roll back over to the... NXT after 9 o'clock hour, or the beginning of the 9 o'clock hour, rather, was probably closer to 9.15, maybe, but we have Drake Maverick in a backstage interview. He's very emotional. He said how uh, everyone has an opponent during the tournament, and uh, he has two opponents, 
and he's fighting them, the opponent, and he's fighting himself now that he's no longer with the WWE. Oh. Thought it was a great show of emotion here. Uh, definitely a great talent here on the mic and uh, displaying emotions. Like I said, one of his specialties, of course. So we move into a woman's match. Uh, Mia Yim and Jess uh, Kima, Lima. I can't I'm not write. exactly sure what her name was, but... Um, I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> That's a little sad. But uh, you can just call her Jessie. I mean, I don't think the last name really matters. She's not on TV all that much. Jess, whatever her name is, that's going to kill me because I wrote her name down and I only remember her last name. <laughs> now I only know her first name because I can't read my own handwriting. But I want to point out that Mia Yim has fantastic uh, entrance music, even though I'm not the biggest fan of her. But uh, I don't know what HBIC means either. And uh, Mia Yim wins. Uh, Charlotte does come out after the match. And uh, Mia Yim is honored to be in the ring with Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte then backhand compliments her saying how, you know, Charlotte was saying how Mia Yim helped her become a star five years ago. And now Charlotte backhand compliments her saying how she's going to make Mia a star next week. Uh, Quite the backhanded compliment there from Charlotte. I mean, we both have our emotions on our mixed emotions on Mia. Uh, Her entrance music is great. Her talent in the ring is not. But I have no idea what HBIC means. As she gets the victory over Jess Shima, Rima, Kima, Bobima. <laughs> do you want me to tell you what HBIC stands for? Please do, because I have no idea. All right, we're going to say a party word right now. Head bitch in charge. That's what okay, it stands for. Okay, so we can do that, but we can't say ass on television? No, you can actually say bitch. You can actually say ass. But I don't know why they didn't say ass. I don't, that's just a little weird thing that they did. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, medium is the head beep, head B word <laughs> in charge. Um, really blurring the lines this episode on as of what we're going to say for swear words, I guess. But head beep in charge, head B word in charge. Uh, so Charlotte backhand compliments her. Byron really points it out. Uh, we go into a vignette again for... Chelsea Green and Rob Stone. Uh, formerly Rob Stone, of course, was Robbie E. Uh, or DJ Robbie E. Not DJ Z, my eye on him. But Robbie E. Bro. Bro. Who bro. had the really stupid hair. Uh, I know you weren't an Impact fan during his time. But he was just kind of a goof. So it kind of uh, it's kind of funny to see him in a role now where he's like a serious businessman who still wears outlandish sunglasses and dresses weirdly. But that's okay. But uh, I was noting how they are a weird dynamic, but it works. Yeah, um, I did know who Robbie E. was. I knew he was a goofy personality. And I'd seen clips of him in, um, crap, what's the name of it? Impact. And I thought he actually looked like a pretty big dude. But compared to, like, the girls and the guys that uh, uh, WWE has been signing, he is, like, tiny. Have you, did you know that? Like, did, well, did you notice that? Yeah, he was always like kind of a big muscular muscle head guy. Now they're like they're signing like gigantic people. I've noticed that as of as of late. Yeah, when I I think it was Dan Matha and Riddick Moss, they were a tag team at one point. And during the when NXT would go on tour, they would be managed by Robbie E. And he was just tiny. Like 
absolutely the smallest man you've ever seen. <laughs> but the dynamic does work. I don't know why, but you know Chelsea isn't that bad. Uh, what's his name now? Robert Stone. Is that what it yeah. is? Yep. You, you know, he's pretty good being the manager, playing that manager role. I think he's doing a pretty good job. I also think Chelsea's doing a pretty good job. But let's move into some other video packages we got this week on AEW. I wrote down in my notes, MJF, let's go in all caps. You know I love MJF. He is my boy. You know, I've worked with him in Major League Wrestling. He is just the chillest dude, but he can also be a bit of a prick sometimes, as you may know, Jaworski. But he decides that he's going to come out with that he might need surgery. And this breaks my heart. And then the camera just pants at his face, right? And he's saying how he wished he was able to wrestle for all the MJFs. I, I think that's what he called them. He was saying how they're like MJF fans or something like that. And then he states that he can no longer wrestle. And then the camera sort of pans backwards a little bit. And then you see MJF in a sleeve and his arm is in a cast. And then he says that he has a hang now. And I said, oh, man, he's really going to tease me right now. And so he is not able to wrestle, quote unquote, not able to wrestle because he has a hangnail and might need surgery. This man is so overdramatic, but I can't help but to love him. Anywho, oh, were you going to say something? I heard you. He's the ultimate bad boy, and he's not the bad boy Joey Janela. He's the ultimate bad guy in wrestling. I mean, he had been building this up on Twitter, you know, obviously blurring the lines on Twitter and between kayfabe and being yourself nowadays is, oh, sorry, I said kayfabe. Excuse Come me. Come on. Come oh, on. Man. Well, I, th- I think kayfabe is a better word than, you know, over. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But anyway, he, you know, Twitter is nowadays, no one keeps the metaphorical kayfabe. But MJF, you know, blurring the lines of him being injured and he, he needs that surgery. He'd been building this up for, I think, a week now, close to a week, and say how his condition has worsened and stuff like that. But, I mean, it, for him to come out and say he has a hangnail, I mean, Bravo, my hat's off to him. I remember you texting me uh, this weekend, actually, and you said, hey, is something up with MJF? And I said, no, why? And I'm not on Twitter, so I didn't know about this. And then you said, something's up with MJF. And I said, oh, I don't know. He might be going to, like, WWE possibly or something like that and just hiding it from the fans. But he did come out this week and said that he has a hangnail and is not able to wrestle. And I wrote down in my notes, I hope he's able to come back with a frowny face. But speaking of MJF, his bodyguard, Wardlow, is in action. And so there was nothing much to this match. You know, he goes against this guy, Lee Johnson, who I've never heard of. But with him, when Wardlow was throwing him around, he kept on landing on his feet awkwardly and then fall to his butt. So Wardlow would be throwing this man around and then he would, like, his feet would land first and then he would fall back. It was a little weird, but... um. Wardlow took off the straps, and I said, oh, no, this match is going to be over. Then he hit them. Uh, he hit him with this airplane spin. It was like the F5. I don't know exactly what to call it, but he did like the, uh, the F5 motion, but he still stood up, and then he just launched the dude, and then he got the win. Uh, nothing much to this match. It was all right. It went on a tiny bit too long considering how big Wardlow is, 
and how small and scrawny this dude Lee Johnson was compared to him. Lee Johnson, I mean, it, that, that's as basic as it gets. I mean, but, uh, yeah. it, <laughs> but uh, I, I can't believe they kept, they've kept Wardlow in the back for so long. I think he's a big dude and something you don't see as much in wrestling nowadays. But, I mean, it's good for him to finally get a W on uh, Dynamite. I think he's had, he's had a few matches on AEW Dark, but uh, finally good for him to get in the spotlight, uh, not being in the shadows of MJF, being his bodyguard, so to say, but now he's... Getting his shot uh, on NXT Dynamite. Oh, AEW Dynamite. Excuse me. Oh, but, wow, uh, wow. As we go back from the weird dynamic of Rob Stone and Chelsea Green, we have Jack Gallagher and uh, Heo de Fantasma or de Eho de Fantasma. I didn't really catch his full name until the end. I wrote Eho, which is son in Spanish. Yeah, so there was this wrestler back in Mexico named Fantasma. And El Hijo del Fantasma basically translates to Fantasma's son. Oh well, it gets it gets as uh, as to the point as his name is. He's the Eho's son or the Fantasma's son. <laughs> so for the most part, uh, him and Jack Gallagher, Gallagher put on a fantastic match, uh, and they need to fire the tattoo artist whoever did Jack Gallagher's tattoos. Oh, uh, my God. Quick story real quick. Uh, you and I were at the re-debut and return of Gentleman Jack Gallagher at a SmackDown uh, show a couple weeks back in Boston. They were taping 205 Live, of course. and uh, Or, no, they were taping main event, I think. What were they? No, no, no. They were taping 205 Live. I thought that 205 Live is after the show. No, uh, I think they moved... So they only cut it down to 30 minutes now, I believe. So at 7.30, they start doing tapings for 205 Live. They'll typically have two matches. I remember Jack Gallagher was the end of 205 Live. But, um, yeah, I think they moved it from the, um, the end of SmackDown, which I'm sort of happy that they did because, you know, they, the quote-unquote dark match, it would be something really good. Like, I remember it was SmackDown in, uh, oh, crap, what was it? In 2018, SummerSlam weekend, when they were doing SmackDowns on Tuesdays, they advertised Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe as the dark match. And I said, oh, man, I totally want to watch this. So I was there. I watched SmackDown. Then I had to spend a whole hour watching 205 Live. And I've never been so bored. I don't know why. I can't really get behind 205 Live. But then I ended up watching Danny Bryan and Samoa Joe. And that literally lasted maybe three minutes. And I said, man, I wasted a whole hour just to watch Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe wrestle for three minutes. Are you kidding me? But <laughs> I, that's a little story that I just had to say. So back to my original story, of course. I mean, we were up with the nosebleeds. And that didn't help really either to notice who this guy was. But... We watch on the big screen. This guy has tattoos. He's white as a ghost. And we're like, who the hell is this guy? So we were there for the re-debut. And it really took us till the end of the night to realize who the hell that guy was. That came back. <laughs> sure enough, it was Jack Gallagher. Anyway, uh, back to the match. Uh, fantastic match. Uh, you know, Jack Gallagher being the bad guy, playing at the mask of Phantasma. Eho de Phantasma. So getting him, uh, you know. Playing for the fans that aren't there to not like him, of course. 
Uh, Iho de Fantasma hits him with a Samoan driver. Uh, Iho de Fantasma gets the victory, of course. Uh, that leads to Drake Maverick and Tony Nese being 0-1. Jack Gallagher and Isaiah Scott being 0-1. Uh, Jake Atlas and Kushida being 1-0. And Iho de Fantasma and Akira Tozawa being 1-0 as well. So... We'll get into the main event. I'm not sure which main event you want to go first, but uh, of course we have the main event now was the Undisputed Era versus uh, Velveteen Dream and Keith Lee. The Undisputed Era being represented by Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. But what was in store for the AEW main event? So we had a couple of stuff happen before the main event of this show. Go right ahead. We had... um, some dude who formerly played football, it looked like in college, decided to join the Dark Order, and they said why he wants to join the Dark Order, the Dark Order on the website, and he said he had the whole world in his hands. So I sort of assumed that this might be uh, Eric Rowan, who recently got released from WWE, but Brody Lee ends up sitting in this room, sort of interviewing this guy. From the way they were showing this guy, who I'm assuming that they're going to have to build to, it didn't really look like the shape of Eric Rowan. He looked like a little scrawnier dude, but he was like 6'2". I know Eric Rowan's like 6'8". He's just a massive looking dude. But he hands him a mask, and then Brody Lee ends up having a match against Justin Law. And Chris Jericho kept on uh, making these really corny puns about how he's just in trouble for going into this match, and he's just insane, and there's nothing more than I hate than really, really bad puns. But then Brody Lee ends up winning against Justin Law with the discus clothesline. This is another weird nitpick I have. They called it a lariat, but you only call it a lariat if you hit the clothesline with the left arm. That's what makes it a lariat. If you hit it with your right arm, it's just a clothesline. If you hit it with the left, it's the lariat. Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, man, I cannot talk today. I'm tired. Chris Jericho uh, mentioned Stan Hansen, who I love. Uh, you know, he's done stuff in Japan. He's done stuff for WCW. He, I was super high on Stan Hansen. I actually have a wrestling shirt of Stan Hansen somewhere in my collection. But I thought that was pretty cool that he got to mention him. Brody Lee actually stares down Marco's stunt after the match. And then Marco gets a little intimidated by him. Then we transition into Trent OJ. <laughs> I wrote down OJ again. Excuse me. Oh, I got to erase that and write OC for Orange Cassidy. Not to, be confused, <laughs> not to be confused with the great show OC Orange County, of course. Or <laughs> OC uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, formerly of the WWE. Uh, They're going back to Japan. Officially? Yeah, well, it's pretty much confirmed they're going back to Japan. They're way too loyal to Japan. But Trent, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor in the back being interviewed. And Trent seemed pretty annoyed with Chuck Taylor and what he had to say. He kept on rolling his eyes a little bit. And he wasn't – I can just tell he wasn't feeling it. But, you know, they – Chuck's like, oh, come on, guys, let's go. And then they just move away. Then we get the, man, it's something, the Brady Bunch, but it's like, oh, the Bubbly Bunch. The Bubbly Bunch, yes. Yes, so we got a little Bubbly Bunch. 
And so we had Chris Jericho saying that they have to do the flim flam. And whoever does the best flim flam actually gets a bottle of hand sanitizer. So they're all <laughs> dancing in this like knockoff version of TikTok. And so Sammy Guevara ends up overdoing it. And then Chris Jericho throws the hand sanitizer at the phone. And he's like, way to show up, Sammy. And then ends a call. It was uh, it was okay, you know. It's a it's a little goofy, especially if they want them to believe that these guys are gonna take over AEW. I think it's a little goofy just to have them dancing. But then they announced that John Moxley will be on next week to address where he's at in his career. And then we get into a little video package of Dustin, and you know he basically says that he's been wrestling for thirty three years and he's not gonna look over Kip Sapien. And then we get into the main event. Between those two guys. And then out comes Dustin with guess who, Jaworski? Uh, Pharaoh, the dog. No, even worse, Brandy Rhodes. And I say to myself, why is Brandy here? She's, I get it, she's the, what do you even call it? The sister-in-law of Dustin? She's the, uh, the... Brandy in charge, or the what is it? She's the CIO, or what is it? I I don't know. I don't know. She should. Uh, I see you later. I don't want to see her at all on my TV. <laughs> There's no need for her. Uh, Dustin thinks he might lose to a man with a losing record, which I think is just a little weird. I mentioned that previously, and I hate the stuff that they do. That being AEW with the distractions that they have. So Penelope Ford's obviously out there with Kip Sapien. Brandy Rhodes is out there with Dustin. So then they get into a little conflict, Penelope and Brandy. And so Penelope decides to run into the ring. And she's going to hit the ropes on the opposite side of where Brandy is to possibly do a dive. And she didn't think that Brandy was going to be staggered there the entire time. So she runs into the ring and spears Penelope Ford. Both get him out of the ring. This is so stupid. It's so unnecessary. If Brandy's not wrestling, why is she doing wrestling moves to someone that is trying to quite possibly be the next AEW's women's champion? It just doesn't make sense to me at all. If she's in the manager role, let her be the manager. Stop making her try to be a wrestler. She's not going to be wrestling every week. It's just dumb. But this match was okay. Dustin hits the Canadian Destroyer and overall gets the win over Kip Sapien, which moves him further into the bracket. I believe he's going against Lance Archer sometime soon. And so Cody Rhodes will be wrestling Darby Allen, which will be a rematch from, man, was it Full Gear? Uh, oh, boy. they. I think they wrestled oh, the was first. Full gear. No. Darby and Cody? Yeah, Darby and Cody uh Darby and Cody was full gear. Which one? No, they okay, maybe it was, but they wrestled that one before. They went into the draw, remember? Yeah, that's what I thought was full gear, no? I think no. I'm not exactly sure. I don't keep up with AEW that much. I think it was uh Fight for the Fallen. Oh, okay. Okay, that might have been it. But anywho. I said there was no need for Penelope Ford to run into the ring just for Brandy to spear her. Um, this match is all right. This is how we end the show. It was it was all right. I'll let you uh, get into the main event of NXT, though. 
So it was Cody versus Darby at uh, Fighter F- Fight for the Fallen, and then uh, it was oh. Darby versus Cody on the January first Homecoming edition of Dynamite. Oh, okay. And then they were a tag team against the Butcher and the Blade, and then they were a tag team a few weeks ago. So, to clear the air on that, of course, uh, seemed like an okay episode of AEW. I mean, nothing really too crazy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was okay. I'll have to go and watch. I'll be the judge of that. But uh, we get into the main event, like I said, Cole and Roddy of the Undisputed Hour versus Velveteen Dream and Keith Lee. Uh, before then, we have the EO Dave Fantasma get attacked in the parking lot uh, oh. during the commercial break uh, by the masked men. They were saying something of how it could have been Joaquin Wilde, and uh, there was another Spanish name. Oh, Raul Mendoza. Yes, Raul Mendoza. That is rumored, or what Byron said on the commentary team, that uh, they were attacked. Uh, they get into the beginning of the match, Velveteen Dream. They have all their entrances. It was very weird doing the boom and the Adam Cole baby with no one there. That's so I sad think. to me, honestly. It is very <laughs> sad because the crowd am... goes nuts for it yeah. when it goes off. Yeah. But, um, uh, I remember I go nuts every time for that. It's so sad to see no one do it but Cole. I just, uh, I just had to say that. But nonetheless, they get into the match. Oh, excuse me. The little outside interference right after the Immediate start, uh, they jump them right as the bell sounds. Uh, Undisputed Hour with Bobby Fish at ringside. Get a little distraction going. Uh, Damian Priest comes out of nowhere with the baton and attacks Keith Lee. Uh, they throw Bobby Fish out, but the damage had already been done. They go to commercial. Keith Lee had to be helped to the back, uh, as they let us know after it comes back from the commercial break. Uh, they go on with the match, and later on, a rather mysterious character shows up in Dexter Loomis as he joins the side of Velveteen Dream. Tags in, hot tag, as they say. Uh, he joins uh, Velveteen Dream, uh, gets his action in. Uh, hits hard, to say the least. Uh, he showed about everything off, even the goods, as your dad put it. Uh, he comes out for an outside <laughs> of the ring dive. Bobby Fish rushes in and he dives on Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong. He did tag in Vel- Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream did tag himself in before Dexter Loomis does the outside dive. Jumps the elbow on Adam Cole and pins the NXT champion, vouching for his title shot. Could that be foreshadowing that? You know, Cole might lose the title to Dream sometime soon. Oh, maybe, maybe. Could be on to something there. Certainly I, prying for a shot at the title. That's for I, sure. I pray. I pray Adam Cole never loses that NXT championship. It is too notorious with Adam Cole. I can't see him on any other man. I really can't. Other than maybe Roderick Strong. Other than that, not really. He is the go-to guy in NXT right now. I think he's he's... Definitely the best thing that NXT has going, uh, champion-wise and talent-wise, that's for sure. But uh, overall, pretty good episode of NXT for someone who doesn't watch a ton of NXT. or I keep up with it. I don't watch it a ton, but this was pretty good. That Justin? is super. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I had to mute myself. I was clipping my tongue. Down. I mean, my nails. But that is super good to hear about NXT. AEW overall, it was iffy. 
I had my nitpicks with it, but I have a get scale of one to ten. Maybe five point five. Wow. That's kind of average. Yeah. It, it wasn't anything spectacular, you know? You had an MJF little video, which I liked. You know, Brody Lee staring down, you know. I mean, he had to ultimately look down over Marco's stunt. I hope one day that he just demolishes him. So, you know, Chris Jericho on commentary, that was pretty entertaining. Um, you know, nothing too special about this. But, you know, those weird little nitpicks that I have ultimately bring the show a little bit lower for me. But, you know, it was, it was okay. So on the NXT side of things, I'm not going to carry my bias of AEW into NXT like you did. No, but I did not. I Oh, yes, you did. I know you did for fact, but that's okay. You already rated. You can't change it, of course. But uh, even though you have a ton of bias towards NXT, of course, I have my bias towards AEW. But I'm not going to let that affect my score as I will give NXT on a 1 to 10 scale with 5 being average. I will give it. A 7.3. Boong! Are you kidding me? Wow, okay. It was it was the ideal two-hour show. I mean, there wasn't anything over the top. It was a solid wrestling show, and I think 7.3 is a solid score. Definitely above. It wasn't a, really above average being 10. It was definitely, you know, a little above average, to say the least. I don't know if I'll ever get to a 10. I hope someday... I really pray that AEW one day gives me a 10 out of 10 show. There is probably no chance in hell that it will ever happen unless MJF is wrestling in every single match. But I Again, pray one day. Bias. <laughs> no, that's not bias. But I seriously do pray that AEW one day really proves me wrong and it will give me the best show I've ever seen. Yeah, to your point, and to my point as well, in the past couple of weeks, I said, they do too much goofy stuff. But you know what? They have Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. They can wrestle each other every week on YouTube. Who cares? Good for them. As long as they yeah. don't bring it on the TV show, that's fine by me, fine by you, and fine by the rest of the wrestling world. But you don't think people looking up like AEW are going to see AEW Dark, and they're going to see all this goofy stuff that they do on there, and it won't discredit what they do on their actual television show? As long as they don't put it on TV, that's the that's where they're gonna make their most money. Besides merchandise, of course. But you can keep all the goofy stuff. YouTube is made for goofy stuff. TNT Network is not made for goofy stuff. TNT runs comedy movies, yes, but they're great. They're a movie. They run action movies, which are obviously full of action-packed stuff, and they're gonna have a legitimate wrestling show. Yes, keep all the goofy stuff on dark on YouTube on the BTE. PT was made for goofy stuff for them being their own thing. So, of course, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson want to wrestle each other in their living rooms, in their bedrooms, on their bunk beds? Sure, go ahead. Leave it on YouTube. <laughs> Don't put it on my TV screen. You know what should be on TNT? That damn show, Psych. <laughs> that is yeah. the worst show. <laughs> a Psych should not to... be on TV, period. Yeah, I just had to throw that out there. I hate that show. Oh, terrible, but... Um, uh, I think we're just about wrapping up. We've given it the score. I don't think there's any a ton of wrestling news that we can get into. We can wait till Friday at least. But uh, any last words there As I before I plug the social media? Unless you want to plug the social media. Even though 
Last week, you did plug it wrong as we are not J&J Wrestling Pod on Spotify. We are just J&J Wrestling Podcast on Spotify. But that is besides the point. Any last words, my friend, Justin? Well, that is my bad. But on the last episode that we did, I did say that Cassius Elno was hanging up the boots. And man, that killed me. And I said, but that does not stop Chris Hero from coming back. And what did he do? He decided to open, well, reopen that uh, PWT's, um, what do you even call it? The store. And, you know, sometime soon, we're going to see the return of Chris Hero. And I cannot wait to see him back on the independent scene. Absolutely cannot wait. I never really saw him on the independence, but... I mean, from what you tell me and from everyone ranting and raving about him, he's obviously great. Uh, I don't know what happened at NXT, really. But, I mean, I will definitely have to check in at some point when the independents are back up and running, of course. Uh, when yeah. we'll be able to see Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, back in the squared circle. So, from myself and Justin, we'd appreciate it greatly if you can check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram at j and j wrestling pod subscribe to our podcast on spotify j and j wrestling podcast uh be sure to be on local for youtube we're going to figure out that eventually i don't know really when but we will figure it out <laughs> nonetheless so uh justin any last words to uh address the fan club of the j and j wrestling pod no uh not really but i do want to say this rivalry i've been having with youtube I think might be hotter than Cody Rhodes and MJFs. This is such a big problem to me. I absolutely hate it that I cannot figure this out for whatever reason. But I promise to the fans that do listen, you will one day get J&J Wrestling Podcast on YouTube. If it's the last thing we do, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure, yeah. Shout out Terry Funk uh, Beyond the mat Anyway, uh, I think that just about wraps it up Uh, I've been your host, Alex Jaworski As joined by my friend Justin Carroll, per usual Of course, Uh, we appreciate All the continued support for the launching Of the J&J Wrestling Pod We appreciate you listening to this Episode, of course, on the AW and NXT Oh, Wednesday oh. Night Wars, and you have something before as I was about to end the show. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did state that last episode I would be showing off a piece of wrestling merchandise that I have. But I'm actually going to wait to drop that video until Friday because that is when I go back to my dad's house. And that is where I have one of the coolest pieces of wrestling memorabilia. I'm going to have to send you a picture of it at some point. But you will absolutely think it is one of the coolest things. All right. So there you have it. A little Instagram post will be coming our way Friday, of course. Um, now, we appreciate you uh, listening in to our podcast, the JJ Wrestling Podcast. Continued support, all that jazz, as I said before. We're running a little late here. So we appreciate, again, I don't know how many times I can say appreciate in a five, sp- five minute span. But again, everything from support comments likes whatever it may be follows we dearly appreciate it listens of course uh we thank you for listening to the jj wrestling podcast we'll see you all on saturday take care stay safe and of course wash your hands take care see you later